following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 243, recorded on Thursday, April 26th, 2018. I'm Dave Nelson, along with Mr. Brad Ludwig. Coming up, a possible reason why we haven't met our galactic brothers yet. Is it an extraterrestrial craft or a helicopter? We'll tell you in the sighting segment and our picks and warnings feature. Before all that, though, our question. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? What's the question? What alien-themed TV show or movie would you like to see an updated version of? A reboot, as the kids say. Brad? My favorite Martian. Really? Yes. Who do you see taking over the lead role? The Bill Bixby role? Yes. Boy, you kind of want somebody who can do... The straight man stuff, well, and still knows how to pull out a laugh. I'm torn, and you're going to have to follow me on this, with Will Ferrell. Yes, he can be incredibly goofy, but he can play a straight type man in, uh, in the proper setting. Uh, or... Seth MacFarlane. Okay, I can see Seth. I can see Seth doing that. He's got the right body type. <laughs> he 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 looks like, and I can't even remember Bill Bixby's character's name. Uh, Tim O'Hara. That's who he was. That's his. That was his character's name. Wasn't there another person on that show, an older gentleman, who would later on become? He had a recurring role on Star Trek as the groundskeeper at Starfleet. I forget. Oh, that was, yeah, that was Ray Walston. He was the Martian. Oh, okay. The Ray Walston guy was the Martian, right? Yes. Ray Walston was the Martian character. He played Uncle Martin. (laughs) That's what it was, (laughs) Uncle Martin. And yeah, Bill Bixby. I'm trying to remember what Tim did. I think that... He worked at the Air Force Base, or he... No, he. I think he was a reporter. I think he was a reporter. That's what it was. This may shock you. I've never seen a single episode of My Favorite Martian. So do you want to just give me a recap, the general plot synopsis of the show? Ray Walston's character, as I recall, was sent to Earth to kind of report on earth for Mars. And then his ship kind of got stuck. There was a experimental aircraft that Bill Bixby, uh, Tim, Tim O'Hara was reporting on. And the X 15 was the name of the plane. Uh, Ray Walston's character had to avoid the oncoming craft and he accidentally crashed his ship. That's what it was. Okay. So during this time he has to, 
you know, he's kind of stuck. He can, you know, make this, uh, his ship kind of invisible and he's kind of stuck there trying to repair his ship. But obviously earth is not as technologically advanced. So he's just kind of stranded there because he can't really fix his ship. And comedy ensues. Wackiness ensues. (laughs) Wacky hijinks. Absolutely. That's the only hijinks to have, sir. Of course. My answer to this question is Space 1999. But it wouldn't be called Space 1999 because we've gone beyond that date, beyond that year. So they'd have to change the date and I believe they were actually working on a reboot of the show a few years ago. But I haven't heard anything about it for a while, so I'm thinking it's dead in the water. But I want to see that because there were aliens on that show. Do you know the plot synopsis of Space 1999, Brad Ludwig? Weren't they, like, on the moon and something happened that pushed it out of orbit? Yes, there was an explosion on the moon powerful enough to knock the moon out of the earth's orbit and it flung into space and it kept on going (laughs) and they ran into aliens and crazy weird space things It, it it's a dumb setup for a show but the show is cool it's uh one of the shows that really made me fall in love with sci-fi i remember playing Space 1999. You know how you're a young kid and you watch a show and you played it? You pretended that you're on the show? Sure. Like we played Star Trek and Star Wars and uh, everything else and Space 1999. So that's my pick for the question. What alien-themed TV show or movie would you like to see an updated version of made? Did you ever watch Space 1999, Brad? You know, I may have seen little bits and pieces here and there, but... I don't think I've seen an entire episode. You should go back. I think it's uh, available on Hulu. Or the last time I checked, it was available on Hulu. Really? Yes. <laughs> In the news. This article comes to us from space.com. The title of the article No Way Out? Aliens on Super Earth Planets May Be Trapped. By gravity. See, that's the thing with gravity. It'll trap you when you least expect it. They don't call it a gravity well for nothing. Exactly. Somebody's got to pump that out of the ground. Oh, we're talking about a different kind of well. Okay, never mind. Yeah, this actually asks a very good question. We've we've been seeing a lot of articles, and, and for some time now, like... Why haven't we been visited by aliens? Well, this really raises a good point. With the exoplanet discovery that's been going on, we've been seeing like, quote unquote, super Earth type planets, planets that are larger than Earth are in the in the golden kind of zone, the habitable zone around its star that it travels around. But with a larger planet comes more gravity. Now, this thing asks the good question, and it starts off by giving us some facts. Now, to launch the equivalent of an Apollo moon mission, a rocket on a super-Earth would need to have a mass of about 440,000 tons Wow! due to fuel requirements, the study says. 
that's on the order of the mass of the Great Pyramid of Giza Holy in Egypt. crap. Jesus. Yeah. On more massive planets, spaceflight would be exponentially more expensive. Now, this throws in economy into it, which we're assuming that there's capitalism on alien worlds. But if you're speaking in expense of resources, you know, that's that's something altogether different. Now, the study author is uh, Michael Hipke, and he's an independent researcher affiliated with the Sonberg Observatory in Germany. And he says such civilizations would not have satellite TV, a moon mission, or a uh, Hubble Space Telescope. Of course, he's, he's making some, some assumptions here, but they're pretty solid. Uh, as researchers have discovered alien worlds around other stars, one class of exoplanets that popped up was the super-Earths. And those are planets that can be ten times as massive as our own. And a number of super-Earths apparently lie in the habitable zones of their stars. And like I said, that's kind of like uh, it can support liquid water theoretically. May I interrupt with a question? Absolutely. If you live on a super-Earth where there's more gravity, would your physiology be different than ours because you're being pushed or pulled down more? Yeah, like myself. I'm six feet tall. If we were on that Earth, then we're saying ten times as massive. Okay, and that's what they're kind of, uh, as a as a number that they're throwing out. It would be next to impossible for a humanoid-type creature like us to get to be six feet tall because the with that type of gravity, everything would be kind of pulled down or they'd be more squat. The original Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics, uh, they were individuals from the future, like the 30th century or something like that. And uh, mankind had managed to settle in our planets in the solar system. And there was a character called Charlie 27, and he was, oh, crap. I want to say he was Jupiter, but that might not be correct. Uh, but he was on one of the larger planets. And he was incredibly strong in Earth gravity, but he was bulky as all get out. And actually, in the guard, the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Ving Rhames plays Charlie 27. Hmm. You see him briefly a couple of times. But he's a very, very squat and bulky individual. So, yeah, there would definitely be differences. Could we actually survive on a planet like that? Could we? Yeah. We would be miserable. <laughs> Could it be done? You know, maybe if we, like, floated in water tanks <laughs> where, you know, there would be less, you know, that would kind of mitigate some of the... Gravity and grant. I'm not a physicist, uh, but I mean, in my head, well, even water would be pressed down. Mm -hmm. You know, if if we were to take water from our planet and put it there, it would. They've dealt with this on the Expanse, where people from Mars go to Earth are much taller. Yeah, and they're they're they have to physically go through training to be able to walk around okay on Earth. Because gravity's lighter there, 
and they're not used to the sun being so bright. So they can't they can't stay outside very long or look at the sun. A friend of mine was saying that especially people that are on like the outer rim as it were or you know the, the they're on the satellites or the the, the miners. Mm-hmm. He was saying something like it is so mind-blowing if they if they come to earth. Oh granted it's it would be very painful. <laughs> Yeah, but for those that have been in an environment where there's no sky, there's no atmosphere, there's no, you know, it actually will blow their mind and cause panic attacks, and it, it got really weird. He said for for a particular character, it, trying to 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 wrap their head around that was was really tough. To answer your question, would there be differences? Yes, uh, there would have to be if something were to survive in that. Um, could we? Gosh, I... It may be possible, but, oh, God, I just... You'd be so miserable at 10 times Earth gravity. Yeah, it's not worth it. Stay at home. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they don't want to go out into space. They're just happy where they are. Hey, well, you know, and that that could be. It's not the gravity thing. It's just they're lazy. <laughs> they just don't want to be miserable. So, like, okay, what's the th- what's the theory behind this? Why? Okay, they can't. Okay, so basically, what he's positing is that everything that it would take to get something, uh, you know, like a a Kepler telescope or anything that would orbit the planet. It would take so much energy and so much resources to build something that could get it to escape the planet that it would be ridiculous. And he's saying that really, while Earth's gravity, it doesn't matter if we were to launch something from a, from a mountain or from uh, sea level. There's no appreciable difference. But on like a super Earth... The gravity is so strong, you're not going to have like a Mount Everest on a planet like that. Everything will just kind of get smushed down. Yep. You know, at best, you might have dramatic rolling hills with something maybe your biggest mountain might be Rib Mountain sized for those of uh, you who are local to the Wisconsin area or know what that's all about. And there'll be a bunch of holes. That's, that, <laughs> that's how it works, right? It, yeah, pretty instead, much. Instead of mountains, um, there'll be holes. But to launch from something, from a mountain, would have such a dramatic difference uh, energy-wise that, you know, that's how they, they would have to launch from a mountain. Or if they could set up a, uh, like a space elevator, they could possibly do things like that. But yeah, uh, the... Amount of energy, like I said, to, to take it to do it to to make this happen is so so prohibitive that aliens that live there would never probably even think of leaving the planet. So it might not be that they don't care about us; it's that they can't leave their planet because <laughs> it's it's there's too much gravity. What, what? Okay, maybe because it's so hard to get off their planet, they come up with out of the box ideas. To beat gravity. Like maybe they finally crack the whole anti-gravity thing. And, you know, that would be 
necessity's the mother of invention. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it time and time again here. Uh, you know, they, if they could come up with some kind of anti-gravity technology, that would be a huge boon to their space program. Or nuclear. Or to, to even just get them to a point where they could have one. Or nuclear pulse propulsion, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, they do mention nuclear power, but. Basically, would, it's exploding it, bombs behind you and riding the wake, right? Yeah, essentially. But, you know, you devastate your planet in the process. So, you know. Uh, unless you know the planet was no longer habitable, and you're like, "Well, we gotta leave." Maybe they're sick of being squashed down, and they're like, "The hell with this planet. We want to go on to a smaller planet. Let's let's just blow it up with these nuclear pulse propulsion rockets." You know, I could see there being tremendous health issues for swinging the other way, gravity wise. Oh yeah, hell yeah. I mean, for them to come to our planet would probably be absolutely devastating to their circulatory system. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. So we'd have to try to meet them halfway and go to a planet that had like, you know, five times earth gravity. (laughs) Yeah. A happy medium. Yeah. All right. There you go. Is that, uh, is that it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. It's not that they don't care. It's just that if they're on a, a, a super earth, they don't have enough resources to get off the planet. But really, if they're on a super Earth, would you want to leave? Because it's super. <laughs> Cricket. Cricket. <laughs> Cricket. If you have thoughts, feelings, or a strong opinion on the story that we just talked about, email aliens at gncasts.com. That's aliens at gncasts.com. Or call our voicemail number. Area code 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. Thank you for your feedback. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at gncast.com. Please identify the craft you witnessed. Black triangular three-dimensional shape, huge, just flying, hovering mimic. Shaped like almost like between an egg and like a teardrop. Two long cylinder objects flying over me. I can see the occupants in it. It to be rotating in, in some circular disc shape, and it hovered for maybe about five minutes. Sighting segment. This is where we talk about something that somebody saw. It could be an extraterrestrial craft, or it also could be a drone of some kind. We just don't know. So we are going to Great Britain for this one. Woman claims she spotted a UFO above her village. Suzanne Riley claims she watched a black craft hover over trees while driving home from work. You'll love this one. I thought a Decepticon Transformer was going to land on my car. Posted Suzanne on Facebook. According to her, cars around me were stopping, and I nearly hit the man in front of me in the red car who had jumped out with his phone, taking footage. Suzanne claims that a military aircraft arrived moments later. She described the silent craft as having a triangular angled appearance and said it had no obvious windows or doors. It had lots of edges going on all over it, 
not just a triangle in the sky, she added. There were no real wings that would exp- that you'd expect to see or propellers that were visible. The sighting occurred at mid-afternoon near the County Durham village of Lanchester, and UFO expert Glenn Richardson claims the latest incident is just one of many in that region recently. A Ministry of Defense spokesperson said that three Apache helicopters were in the area that day, though the government declined to comment any further. But Suzanne insists it definitely was not a helicopter in any way, shape, or form. We can all identify a helicopter no matter what it looks like. I've even flown in one. It was not a helicopter at all. So she's very adamant that this object that she saw was not a helicopter. It wasn't the Apache helicopters that the government said were in the area. Maybe the Apache helicopters were the military craft that went after this triangle, triangular craft. Hmm, that could be. Yeah. I'd love to uh, get some input from Daryl from the uh, network. He lives in England, Great Britain, the U.K. I'd love to know where uh, the county of Durham is, of Lanchester. I'm probably mispronouncing that, by the way. Lancaster? It's probably Lancaster, right? Could be. Yeah. What do you think of this this incident, this this report, Brad? Do you think it's legit? You know, Edge, we weren't there. It's hard to say. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. We've heard about triangular shaped oh, yeah. craft before. So I mean They they they're the they're the one type of craft that I would love to see. They fascinate me because of the reports that we've talked about, most of the times these big black triangular craft are very silent and slow. And then they shoot off. So that is true. Yeah, I would love to see that. So uh, there you go. If you have seen something in the sky that you cannot identify as something that we know of, uh, let us know. We would love a listener sighting. We've had them before, and we'd love some more. I didn't mean to rhyme. That just happened. Uh, You can call our voicemail number, 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. You can leave a voicemail with your story. You can also email aliens at gncasts.com, aliens at gncasts.com, or go to the website, gncasts.com and click on the speak pipe thing that you'll see at the side of the page and uh, click on it record your message and that will whoop get straight sent straight to us whoop yep if you like this podcast the alien invasion and would love to support us in a very simple way we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode, it's per month at one, three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like you can get your name mentioned 
on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network Network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, $3, $5 a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support. Click on that Patreon link. And I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Watching, reading, playing, listening, making. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about something that we have watched, read, listened to, played, made, somehow related to aliens or extraterrestrials. So what do you got for us in the Picks and Warnings segment this week? I'm going to talk about a show that you and I have spoken about in the past and do enjoy, and that is the CW program called Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Now, they paused for a bit, and... While Supergirl was on hiatus, they were doing Legends of Tomorrow. And that's wrapped Legend- up. That's... Yep, that is wrapped up. So we've now returned to Supergirl. And we were greeted with the episode Shot Through the Heart. Now, Shot, S-C-H-O-T-T, is uh, the character Win Winslow Shot, who is the son of Toy Man. Uh, we come to find out that uh, his villainous father has died in prison. And so Wynn has to kind of deal with his grief. But on top of that, his mother, who abandoned him uh, decades earlier, uh, just suddenly shows up. <laughs> so uh, that is not alien-based. What is alien-based is earlier in the season of Supergirl, Supergirl and Martian Manhunter went to deal with some issues that were happening on Mars. And we find out that Jean's father is still alive. Oh, what? Yeah, I knew that. Just adding, just adding dramatic effect. <laughs> now, everything turned out okay. Jean's father is now living with him on Earth. And now we have a very interesting and kind of salient story arc with Jean and his father. Jean's father has a kind of a Martian form of dementia. And he, his memory is, is starting to go. And, you know, this, I was watching this with Anessa and Anessa lost her father due to, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. And, you know, this hit her really hard. So anybody who has a family member who is currently going through this or has lost someone to this, this is, uh, it, it'll hit you hard. It'll hit you very hard. And uh, so they are going to pursue this this storyline of you now Jean needs to take care of his father. And from what I understand from the most recent episode, Martians are psychic. 
now uh for those of you who saw like uh logan <laughs> uh professor x had dementia and he's one of the most powerful psychics uh, in the world. And he had some issues with his psychic abilities. So this is something that they, that John has to address with his father. So yeah, the next episode, the next episode is really good. Normally we have something, Oh, this is really exciting. Or this is really, you know, crap. This is really grounded. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, it is a superhero show. Yes, it does deal with aliens, but this is a very human thing um, that 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 some people do go through. And um, whether they suffer from dementia or they're a family member taking care of somebody who is going through this, and I think by by the end of the season, we're we're gonna get hit really hard with how this story. Uh, plays out. So I really enjoy Supergirl. The villain this season, I I haven't, it's been kind of a weird storyline. And then with the huge break with Legends of Tomorrow, it felt like they really put the brakes on. Um, I I almost want to like re-binge watch. (laughs) (laughs) Caught back Um, up again. Just to get that flow going again. Yeah. But, uh, you know, overall, Supergirl is a very, very good show. And uh, it moving to CW was probably one of the better things could have happened to that show okay so what's your flying saucer rating on this episode on this particular episode i will give it four out of five flying saucers you also learn about the real mission of the legion of superheroes in this episode yes and uh it's a cw show so there is there's drama (laughs) that's just guaranteed and it's like I really kind of came away with this episode of, you know, if you just take five minutes and talk to the guy, you might learn something very important um, that that needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later before it gets out of hand. So that was just kind of disappointing that that just kind of became a, I don't want to talk about it, sort of a thing. And some karaoke in this episode, too. Quite a bit of karaoke. Yeah. And... uh it's interesting to hear Melissa Benoist, who has a very good singing voice, kind of, eh, you know, not, it didn't seem like she was putting forth her, her best effort, but I guess Kara isn't meant to be a good singer. Yeah. So yeah. Her, her, there is that. Her actress talent is not carrying over to her um, character. character. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Supergirl! That's all I got. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going gncast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. That is going to do it, my friends, for another fantastic, stellar, out-of-this-world edition of the Alien Invasion, a Galactic Network podcast. If you're curious about the stories that we covered in this episode. You want to read more, you want to learn more, you can click on the links in the show notes and that will take you to more. We'd like to thank a few people, such as Monkey Warhol, for giving us our intro song. It's called Alien Syndrome. You can find that and more of his music at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also to Retward von Durenberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song called Be Water. 
Learn more about him and his music and a lot about music at thecaravel.net, T-H-E-C-A-R-V-E-L.net. And finally, thanks to our good friend, Ben Olson. Thanks, Ben. For recording our disclaimer audio at the very start of this episode, go to benolson.com for more about him. Thanks for joining us. Before we leave, final thought from Brad. Elizabeth Banks. She is a national treasure. <laughs> I'm going to have to start following her on Twitter. I her comment about Venom. Hilarious. All right. Go check it out. Go seek out Elizabeth Banks' Twitter and laugh out loud to it. Lol. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.